Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. In fact, we were created for community. And so we're going to unpack the value of what the Bible says about being a part of community in this series called Better Together. So I encourage you to, uh, to join us and, and, uh, as we explore the power of community. Finally, I want to thank all of you who uh, continue to support the church through your tithes and your offerings. Uh, and, uh, and in giving, we really appreciate uh, you and your obedience to the Lord in that way. Again, if you're here in person... We have offering boxes available in the foyer. You can take one of those offering envelopes uh, that are in the pew backs or they have them out by the boxes as well. Drop your tithe in. If you prefer, you can also give online. You can follow our website and uh, go to PainesvilleAG.com. Click the, the, uh, the Give tab up there and uh, be able to give that way. As I mentioned, you can also give through the app or there's a text to give option and you can see the number uh, that's on the screen as well. Well, let's pray and let's ask the Lord's blessing uh, upon our service, upon our message today as we begin. Father, we thank you today that we have the opportunity on this Easter to celebrate the resurrection. Father, we pray an anointing, Father, over uh, the rest of this service and over your word that it would speak to our hearts and speak to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the story is told of a a man who was on a trip with his wife and children uh, uh, to, to Israel. They took a trip to the Holy Land, and, uh, and they happened to bring his mother-in-law along with them, and, and she was kind of a, a cantankerous character. Um, she was just one of those people that just was kind of domineering, and at times could be a little naggy, and, uh, you know, kind of directing, we'd like to go over here. No, I want to go over here. I want to eat over here. Oh, this food doesn't taste good. Oh, this isn't kind of complaining and nagging. Anybody ever been around somebody like that? I think Proverbs says it's like a dripping faucet sometimes, right? Um, uh, But anyway, they're on this trip, and then something tragic happened. His mother-in-law passed away while they were on the trip. She died, and so they were trying to figure out what to do. Again, they weren't from the Holy Land. They were from the United States. They were trying to figure out what to do, and so he met uh, with a, a local mortician who, who told him, listen, you have two options. We can, we can have her body shipped back to the States for $5,000, or uh, for just $150, she can be buried right here in the Holy Land, and we can do a, a nice service for her here for $150. And so he, he contemplated, thought about it a moment, and he said, you know, I really think we're, we're going to ship her back to the States for, for $5,000. we are i am going to choose that option. And the mortician paused and he said, why would you, did, did you not hear me? $5,000, but it's only $150 to have her buried here in the Holy Land. And, and he said this, well, you know, I heard, I heard about a man who, who, who was here. He died here. He was buried here. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. I just can't take that chance. <laughs> That has absolutely nothing to do with the message this morning. (laughs) But I just thought it was fun. Um, Actually, it's really kind of terrible. when you grew up, like I did, I was, a, I was a kid that grew up in the 80s and those kind of things, and, and there were some movies that I really liked, uh, and there was a movie that came out in the late 70s, uh, the, the late 70s version of Superman. How many of you ever, starring Christopher Reeve, how many remember that, that movie? I know a lot of you younger folks, you don't remember that. You got to go back and watch the classics, I'm telling you. 
It's really good. But one of the scenes in that movie of, of Superman the Invincible, you know, he had this, this uh, love for Lois Lane and uh, just, you know, uh, just, just had this kind of thing going on. And, and he's there saving the world, rescuing the world. And uh, the Hoover Dam, if you might remember, had a crack in it, was getting ready to erupt. He's trying to save this whole community of people there in Nevada, and so he's trying to hold everything together, and while he's doing that, there's earthquake, and all these things are happening, and Lois Lane's car is sunk in, the all ground opens up by this earthquake, sunk in, and everything, and he's trying to, to save the Hoover Dam. By the time he gets to Lois Lane, it is too late. She's gone. Anybody remember that? And he gets angry. He gets so angry, Superman gets so angry, he gets so upset that he just starts flying at like supersonic speed in the opposite direction of the way that the, the earth spins. And it's this whole thing of by doing that and reversing the polarity in which the, the earth is spinning that he can turn back time. And you have this scene where everything is going backwards and being put back together and, and so that he can rescue and save Lois Lane from death. Now, I don't know the science behind that. <laughs> I think that's a little funny as far as the science, but I think we've seen over and over again TV shows that like to go back in time and like to reverse things that have happened. We just, there are certain events, certain things, if we're honest in life, certain things that happen that we just like to go back and reverse. If we could just go back and do it all over again, there are certain things that at times just seem so final. I'm sure that there are stories in your life of situations that just absolutely seem irreversible, some more severe than others. Perhaps uh, a marriage that is coming to an end has been difficult in the receiving of divorce papers, and you think, boy, I just really wish we could go back, and there's some things that we could do over again and change. Maybe it's a frantic call in the middle of the night. Maybe it's a lab result that you went and you visited your doctor, and you got this lab result, and you realized that life was never gonna be the same, and if you could only go back, if you could only go back and change it. There are certain things in life that seem like it's the end, that seem like it is, it is hopeless, and for Jesus' closest followers, certainly, that's what it seemed like on that Friday. That's what it seemed like on the silence of Saturday. Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 57 as evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, had become a follower of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate issued an order to release it to him, and Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth, and he placed it in his own tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. And then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left and look at this last line. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. They were watching as Jesus, who they had loved, Jesus who had, had impacted their lives in such an amazing way, suddenly was buried in a tomb sealed by a large stone. And they sat there watching it. In fact, a few verses later it says, so they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. 
That certainly seems like the end. That certainly seems final. We, we have the hindsight of, of being able to look back at a situation so we don't have the feelings that they would have then, but I want you to think about the kind of feeling that they were going through as, as Jesus who they had loved, Jesus who they had believed in and put their faith in was suddenly in a tomb that had been sealed and now guards to protect it by a large stone. Hopeless. It's the end. Where do we go from here? I know that some of you have felt that way in certain situations where it just seems like, where do we go from here? What do we do now? I didn't expect life to take this turn. I didn't expect this to happen. This just seems in this moment like, I, I, I don't know where we go from here. I don't know what we, what we do now. And there are times where that happened, and certainly the friends and followers of Jesus. But then on that early Sunday morning, Mark 16's ver, uh, uh, position, writing uh, a gospel according to, to Mark, says this very early on Sunday morning, just at a sunrise, they went to the tomb, and on the way they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Understand that, that in those days leading up to Sunday, nobody was remembering what Jesus had said in terms of, I'm going to have to die, and three days later, I'm going to raise from the dead. No, nobody. Nobody was thinking that. Their thought was, Jesus is dead. We want to go and try to take care of his body, honor him, and, and do what we can to mourn the dead the way that we do to take care and honor Jesus in that way. But we have a problem. Who's going to roll the stone away? Who's going to roll the stone away? The stone represented an obstacle to their faith. It represented an obstacle, and they got a huge surprise when they arrived. Verse 4 says, but as they arrived, they looked up, and they saw the stone, which was very large, that had already been rolled aside. But at this point, they're not thinking, he is alive. They're thinking, somebody stole the body. They moved him. If it wasn't bad enough that we watched them seal him in a tomb, now we come and the body has been moved. Who does something like that? Who adds something to our pain already? Who would do something like that? And then they received the news that Jesus was not dead. He had been risen from the dead. And the resurrection reminds us that no matter how hopeless life feels, Jesus still moves stones. Jesus still moves stones. As we're finishing our series through the eyes of Jesus, I want to take a look at, at how Jesus views the impossible, in particular how Jesus views death and the grave. I want, to, I want to take a look through that, and we want to ask ourselves the question, what did Jesus see? What did Jesus see? As they watched him buried in a, in a, in a tomb that was sealed and protected by guards, the, the sting of grief and the disappointment that they, they looked on, we want to say, what did, what did Jesus see? And I want to do it by looking at another story where there was a resurrection from the dead. You see, uh, the followers of, of Jesus watched him die and buried in a tomb reminds me of a story in John chapter 11 where there were two sisters, Mary and Martha, who had, had watched their brother, Lazarus, die and buried in a tomb with a stone put in front of it. They had mourners who had gathered them, and it had been about four days but friends, how many of you know that it's not over until Jesus says it's over? It's not over until Jesus says it's over. 
Let's jump into the story for a moment and discover three lessons that we can learn from the resurrection. John chapter 11 is where our main text is going to be this morning, starting in verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is Mary who later had poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. How many remember that story? where he was at the home of, of one of these religious leaders and all of a sudden there's an interruption and there's this lady who comes in and, and uh, begins to, to weep and begins to pour this perfume over him. And, and, uh, and, and in that moment, uh, the, the, the person he was with says, if he knew, if he was really a prophet, he knew who was touching him. She was a very sinful woman. And yet she experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that made a lasting impact on him. That's the same Mary that we have here. Her brother Lazarus was sick, and so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, uh, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so the Son of God will receive glory from this. So also, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and he stayed there for the next two days. Jesus was very close to this friend. Lazarus was a, a very close friend. He had spent time with them. And, and so when Lazarus is sick, Mary and, uh, and, and Martha do what anybody would do, uh, especially knowing Jesus had heard about the miracles, had seen some miracles with their own eyes, knew that Jesus was a healer. They did what, what, what any friend would do. They say, Jesus, your friend is sick. Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. And, and they were expecting Jesus to come, right? You get a phone call. Uh, I know myself, if I get a phone call as a pastor, you know, hey, uh, can you come and pray with me? I'm very sick. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to respond to that phone call, especially when it's an urgent or emergency phone call. And uh, so they were expecting, hey, Jesus, Jesus is going to come. He's going to make his way back. He's going to heal Lazarus. That's the expectation. But Jesus has a very different uh, reaction. <laughs> in fact, it says in the last verse that he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and stayed there for the next two days. He, he, Lazarus is really sick. Jesus is delaying. He's staying for the next two days. That doesn't make any sense. How is that love? How is that love? The answer doesn't come immediately. Why does Jesus delay in responding to Martha and Mary if he loved them? Well, the first lesson we learn about the resurrection, even as we, as we reflect on, on Jesus' own, is the resurrection teaches us that delays are often a part of God's plan. Delays are often a part of God's plan. Jesus didn't just enter the tomb and the next day it raised. There was a, a period of delay before Sunday even came. He, he does not often respond as, as we think. In fact, the explanation that Jesus uh, tells them talks about the way that he sees death. It helps us understand his view. It says this in verse 4, but when Jesus heard about it, meaning Lazarus being sick, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it's happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Jesus says there's a greater plan. How I many oftentimes we can't see the greater plan? 
There's a delay that happens and we can't see the greater plan. Jesus says there's a greater plan and there's a greater glory that's going to come because of this delay. Just a few verses later, the disciples are having a difficult time kind of understanding what Jesus is talking about and, and, and that, that Jesus has, uh, that, that Lazarus has died and Jesus told them plainly because he had said, you know, he's just sleeping and they said, oh good, if he's sleeping, that's a good thing, right? He's sleeping, he ought to sleep. If he's sick, he ought to sleep. That's going to help him get better. And and Jesus has to spell it out plainly. How many you know sometimes we have thick heads, right? We just don't get things. And he has to get it plainly. And so Jesus, Jesus says to them, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. What? Well, that's strange. Why? For now, you'll really believe. Come, let's go see him. Jesus isn't trying to be unsympathetic in this situation. From his perspective, he understands that a greater miracle is coming. A greater miracle is coming. There is, there is something greater that is coming. So often the delay, we, we just begin to question, well, Jesus, if you really loved us, why'd you let this bad thing happen? If you really loved us, how come you're not answering our prayer? How come you're not answering when we call you? How come you're not, how come you're not responding right now? And we have a hard time understanding that the way that Jesus sees things is different than the way that we see things. That, that in the delay, God is still at work. God is still moving even in the delay. They did not understand the plan and either did Mary or Martha for that matter. When Jesus finally arrives, Lazarus had been dead and in the tomb for four days. They probably thought Jesus was never coming. In fact, when he does show up, Martha comes out to greet him and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, if you had been here, where were you? You ever had a delay in something you've been praying for? And it just seemed like it went from bad to worse. And like Martha, you're saying to Jesus, if you'd just show up, this, we wouldn't even be down here. If you'd have just answered my prayer when I first cried out to you, we wouldn't be in this situation. If you would have just, if you would have just come when we called you, my brother would still be alive. Why, why didn't you come? Why didn't you intervene? Author and pastor Mark Batterson, he had a wonderful thought on this. He writes, my take on this is this. If Jesus had been there, Jesus had been there, done that. Jesus could have walked across the water, arrived in the nick of time, healed Lazarus as he was drawing his last breath. But Jesus had already revealed his healing power He'd already revealed his healing power. It was, un, it was time to unveil his resurrection power. <laughs> you cannot resurrect what has not died. So Jesus waited a little longer to reveal more of his power, more about his power. He, he'd already healed. He'd already done that. If he had showed up, it would have only revealed what he had already done. But see, the delays oftentimes in our lives, when situations and circumstances we experience and delay, what they oftentimes help us to understand is a greater understanding of who Jesus is and the power that he has. If he only does what he's always done, then that's the only the level that we get to know him. But the deeper that we go and the more our faith is tested, the greater our understanding and the greater that we begin to see the very power of who Jesus is. Who he is. 
Jesus wanted their faith to go way beyond that. It had to get worse before it could get better. The delays are not that Jesus isn't answering our prayers, but that we see our circumstances getting worse and we call on God. It's not that he is insensitive to what we need. He's praying about it. He's not waiting, but he's got a greater plan. He sees things differently than we do. His timing is different. God understands things we don't see. Oswald Chambers said something like this. Sometimes it looks like God is missing the mark because we are too short-sighted to see what he's aiming for. To see what he's aiming for. What he's aiming for. So friends, if you're waiting, if you're waiting on an answer from God, don't get discouraged. You see, what seemed like silence on Saturday was really God working to undo the hold of the grave. He was active, we just couldn't see it. He was moving, he was active, he was not truly silent. It was silent to those who were waiting, but he wasn't silent, he was active. And friends, in your delay, I want to encourage you that God is still active. God is moving and doing things that you cannot see, and eventually you will see a greater degree of the power of God. That holding pattern, you will see something precious may have to die before he can resurrect it. There was a sermon that was preached by a pastor who had, had passed away, and, and he was an Assemblies of God pastor. Uh, his name was Charles Crabtree. And, uh, and, and, and I mean, uh, just a really, really great pastor. He preached a message once that was called God's Grammar. And he said this phrase, never put a comma where God puts a period, and never put a period where God puts a comma. When someone dies naturally, we have a tendency to put a period on it. But Jesus had a different plan, and that is death would not be the end. Death would not be the end. And that's the second lesson we learn from the resurrection, is the resurrection teaches us to never put a period where God puts a comma. Never put a period where God puts a comma. John eleven twenty one 21 and 22, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Underline those words, even now. But even now. But even now. But even now. See, that's the comma. That's not the period. The period would have been, my brother has died. If you'd have been here, it would have changed everything. But there's nothing else that can be done. But Martha has this, this bit of faith. We're going to see later on her faith stumbles a little bit, as ours does, and how Jesus handles that. But at this point, she's saying, but even now. Or, but even now. Friends, some of you need a but even now moment. A but even now moment. Lazarus' sickness, Jesus said, would not end in death. It was not a period. It was a comma because he was still at work. And that's what the resurrection, that's why we celebrate Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the way that we do. Because where the enemy said, period, it's done, it is finished. God said, that's not the period. That's just the comma for he is not dead, but he is risen. He has risen again. It is not the end. It is not the end until God says it's the end. Don't put a period where God puts a comma. It will not end in death. Let me tell you something about this. The resurrection of Jesus always reminds us that death is not the end. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 22. But as Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep, all who have died, right? 
For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For in Adam, as in Adam, all die. What does that mean? That means that you and I, we, 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 are, we are children of Adam, the fallen nature, right? When Adam sinned, death came to all men. But, what, but don't put a period where God puts a comma because that wasn't the end. When Adam and Eve had disobeyed God and sin entered the world and things began to break down, that was not the end. There was a promise. So in Christ, all will be made alive. All will be made alive. Those who place their faith in Christ Jesus, that's the hope that we have. That even in death, it is not the end. It's not final. Because of Jesus and his resurrection, we have the hope of eternal life. Are any of you familiar with the second law of thermodynamics? The law of entropy? That anything left to its own devices, the universe is always moving towards disorder and decay. I mean, think about it. Cars rust, right? Cars rust, you, unless you're going to trade them in and just constantly get new. Cars rust. Trust me, I have some old cars. They rust. Food rots, right? Humans grow old and die, right? It takes on many forms. Entropy. That, that's what happens. That's, that's what happens. The only way to prevent entropy is to introduce an outside energy source to counteract it. For example, there are certain foods that, that, again, if they are left out at room temperature, they are going to rot. But if you put them into a refrigerator that is plugged in to an energy source, electricity, into the wall, it's got coils and things in there that will keep the, the, the food cold, or if you put it in the freezer, even colder, and it can stop the process of, of entropy. It will literally preserve has a preserving mechanism that will enter it in. But if the power goes out, guess what happens? The law of entropy takes over. There's an outside energy force that was introduced by the resurrection. And that is that death is not the end. Death is not the end. When we have faith in Jesus Christ, we are plugged in to a different power, a different energy source that begins to counteract the, what, what sin has caused and what sin has done, the wages of sin, which is death. I mean, think about it. When Adam and Eve had sinned against God in the Garden of Eden, their original sin introduced spiritual entropy into the human race. They were warned in Genesis 2.17, but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. From when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Now, they didn't die physically right then and right there the moment they disobeyed God. No, talking about a spiritual death, a spiritual process of decay. Also in our world, a physical process of decay was then entered in and began to take. There is decay that happens. Death Death happens eventually, friends, even though we're going to, I'm going to spoiler alert, Lazarus gets raised from the dead, okay? Jesus comes, he gets raised from the dead. Spoiler alert, okay? In case you didn't know that, right? But guess what happened? Later on, Lazarus still died. But his death was not the end. Death was not the end. 
Sin is a slow-acting poison that disorients and, 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 and begins to devastate us before we even realize what's happening in our lives. Romans 5.12 says that therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Is there anybody in here that wants to lie this morning and raise your hand and say, I have never sinned in my life? You just did. If you raise your hand, you just did. You just did. We, we have sin because we are, we are after Adam. We came after Adam. Sin is a part of our lives. It is a part of no matter, no matter who you are, no matter what you are, inherently we are not good. Everybody's like, oh, but they're such a good person. We don't go to heaven based on goodness. That's the wrong standard. Our, that standard is compared to the righteousness and the holiness of God. And the Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none righteous. We needed something else to counteract that. Something else. And that something else wasn't just something else. It was someone else whose name is Jesus, who not only died on the cross, but when he rose from the, get, the dead, reversed those things. That's why Romans 5, 17 says, for if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more, how much much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We reign through Jesus. It's why Jesus told Martha when she had said about, uh, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have. But even now, this is what he says to her. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Because death is not the end. Don't put a period where God puts a comma. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And then he asked this question. Do you believe this, Martha? Friends, that is the question. See, we can dance all around and hunt for Easter eggs. We, we, can, we, can, we can look at the cross and we can clap and we can cheer. He is alive. The question is, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Because your answer to that question changes everything. The answer to that question changes everything. Paul said that if the resurrection didn't take place, then, then we are to be most pitied, those who, 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 who believe in the resurrection. But if the resurrection takes place, the resurrection changes everything. It changes everything everything. When Jesus walked out, when Jesus walked out of the tomb, uh, it, it changed everything. And when Jesus walked up to the tomb where Lazarus had been buried for four days, entropy had begun. A stone had sealed the grave, but that wasn't going to stop Jesus. He went up there and he said, take the stone away. Remove the stone. And, and Martha in verse 39, I love Martha. She's so practical. She's, she's me. She's so practical. I mean, there are just some times where our practicality gets in the way of our faith, doesn't it? Martha, Mar Martha said, Martha, it says Martha, the dead man's sister, as if we didn't know that already. Protested, just in case we didn't know which Martha we're talking about, right? Martha, who was in the kitchen working while Mary was sitting at the feet, come out, Jesus, Jesus, tell her to help me. Tell her to help me, right? Martha, she, and we need Martha's, all right? I'm not down in Martha's. We need Martha's. But sometimes that practicality gets in the way, and Martha protested, Lord, He's been, in the, he, he's been dead for four days, and the smell will be terrible. I actually like it better in the King James Version because it says, he stinketh. I love that, he stinketh. Lord, he stinketh, right? 
The smell was terrible. Martha had, had known that. That was a part of it. Entropy, right? Had, had taken over. But she said, but even now, whatever you ask, right? Even now. And now she's worried about it. Now she's letting some of the practicality get in the way. Some of us, you let your practicality get in the way. Some of you begin thinking, man, I, you know, I, I can't put my faith in Christ. I stinketh. <laughs> I, I can't put my faith in, in Jesus. You don't understand. I have people tell me all the time, you know, sometimes they'll come and they have to do work or something or whatever, and they're like, oh, man, I'm afraid to walk in there because I think the, the ceiling's going to fall down. I mean, they just have this guilt and shame. They just have this fear, this guilt and this shame, this thing that, if, that if, I, if, I, if I walk into a church, I mean, I would never be accepted by God. I've sinned too much. I've, I, there's been too much that have happened. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. You are never too far. You are never too far. You're never too far away from what God wants to do. And, and never put a period where God puts a comma. In John eleven forty, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Friends, you'll never experience the glory if you're not willing to let Jesus deal with the stink in your life. If you're not willing to let Jesus deal with the stinkiness of sin in your life. Some of you, you've not experienced a life that Jesus wants you to, to experience what he's provided for you because you've, you've been afraid that you've sinned too much. You're still dealing with, 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 with fear. You're still dealing with shame. You're still dealing with guilt. And, and I want to tell you something. When Jesus says, listen, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take the death away and I'm gonna, I want you to see the glory of God. I want you to come out because I want to give, give you resurrection life. I've come to give you resurrection life. It means that Jesus isn't afraid to deal with the stinky parts of our life. He's not afraid to deal with your sin. He's already dealt with your sin on the cross. He's, you've got to let him deal with the sin in your life. You've got to let him begin to, to, to deal with the stinky areas of your life. Don't put a period where God puts a comma. John eleven forty three through 44, here it is. The story continues. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes and his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. That thirdly, the resurrection teaches us that God can set us free from the grave clothes that bind us up. Some of you have been walking around in grave clothes. You've put your faith in Christ, but you're still hopping around, still, still acting as if you're still in your grave clothes. Sin still has a hold on you. Sin still has a hold on you. We gotta understand this Jewish burial uh, customs. When, when Lazarus has died, his, his hands and his feet would have been bound, and he would have been, he would have been wrapped up like a mummy. In fact, it, it, something that I read said approximately 100 pounds of, of grave clothes. They literally wet these grave clothes and they would, they would wrap the person up like a mummy about a, 100 pounds or so in order to kind of protect and preserve the body. Some scholars even believe that the head itself would have been wrapped. And so uh, a, a miracle itself was when Jesus says, Lazarus, come out, that he was somehow able to, to kind of, you know, maneuver himself, you know, kind of throw himself off and Stand up, and I can just imagine, here he is, you know, kind of hopping out like a mummy. I mean, seriously, can you imagine the scene? I mean, that's the joy and the hilarity, right? And everybody's like, what, what, what? And he was dead. What, are you kidding me? And Jesus has to tell him, you know what? Get the grave clothes off of him. Get the grave clothes off of him. Get those things off of him. Oh, friends, there are some of you walking around and weighed down by all kinds of things. All kinds of things that Jesus, when he died and gave his life and rose again, that he came to set you free from. But some of you are continuing to walk around bound in your grave clothes. 
Some of you are bound in guilt, and some of you are bound in shame, and some of you are bound in fear, and some of you are bound in addiction. Some of you are bound in, in, in things that thought processes and things that you've allowed to cloud your vision, and Jesus wants you to walk in freedom. Some of you are bound up in hurt. You've been hurt. And you walk around with bitterness inside your heart. And Jesus says, I've come to set you free from that. I've come to set you free from that. Mm. Oh, come on. This Easter, we got to be walking in freedom. Jesus calls us from death to life, spiritual death to spiritual life. We were bound in sin, but he came to set us free. And friends, some of you today, Jesus wants to set you free. There are some of you, you've never given your life to Christ, and you've never experienced his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy. And today is a new day for you. Today is a new day for you. Today is a new day for you. Some of you, though, you have given your life to Christ but you've not given him every part of you. You haven't let him dealing, de dealt with some of the stinkiness in your life. You've not let him heal some of the bitterness and the hurt that you've been holding on to. Holding on to, as if that's some kind of a comfort, but it's poisoning your soul, and Jesus wants to set you free this morning. Some of you are walking around, still walking around, in guilt and shame when Jesus pronounced, it is finished, you're forgiven. Oh, come on, friends. Some of you need to experience joy and freedom. Some of you once walked with God, and where you are right now, you have not been following Jesus. You have been walking out, doing your own thing, and it stinketh. And Jesus wants to deal with the stink in your life. He wants to heal you and set you free today. He wants to heal you and set you free, but here's the question. And it's the question that Jesus asked Martha, do you believe? It is by faith. It is not by works, it's by faith. Do you believe? Because friends, the resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. And if you will put your faith in Jesus, you will experience a joy and a peace and a freedom and life. Life abundantly. And that's what he wants to give you. That is his gift to you today. Worship team, will you come? For Martha and Mary, death of their brother seemed like the end. They called on Jesus and he didn't come. Some of you are in a place where you've experienced delay and delay and delay. And you're in that place. I want to encourage you. Jesus is working. Don't give up. Jesus is working. There's a greater glory and a greater miracle. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep on pressing in. Keep on pressing in. There are some of you, you are discouraged and you are grieving. You've been grieving over the loss. You've been struggling and you've been seeing your situation worsening. But delays, delays are not the end. Delays are not the end. They're the opportunity for God to show up and lead you to a greater uh, understanding, a greater view of the miracle working power of our God. Friends, some of you have put a period in certain situations. You've said, I've sinned too much. I've done too much. I can't go back. This is the end. This will, there's no hope. This is it. Don't put a period where God puts a comma. After four days, God raised Lazarus from the dead. There is nothing impossible Nothing impossible for those who believe. Nothing impossible. 
Jesus also came. There are some of you, you've been walking around in your grave clothes and it's time to let Jesus come and set you free. It's time to let him come and bring healing. It's time to let him come and bring you freedom today. Jesus wants to set you free on this Easter Sunday. Will you allow Jesus to work in your life? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're watching online. And today you'd say, you know, I've never given my life to Christ. I know that I, I know that I have sin. I know that I am not where I need to be with God. And today I need to place my faith in Jesus so that I can experience the forgiveness of sin and the hope of eternal life. If that's you this morning and, and you'd say, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to ask Jesus into my life today. Will you slip up your hand or will you let us know in the comments? I need to give my life to Jesus. You need salvation today. You want to be born again. I need salvation. Secondly, this morning you're here and maybe you, maybe you've been walking around and there are just some things in your life that you are just bound. You just have bound yourself bound. And you need Jesus to set you free. Maybe you've given your life to Christ at one point, but <clears throat> you are not walking the way you should. And you are bound up in grave clothes. And today, you want to walk out of here forgiven and free. Today, you want Jesus to set you free. Will you slip up your hand today? I want to pray for you. I need Jesus to set me free. I've got to let him free me of some grave clothes today some guilt, some shame, some bitterness, some sinful things in my life, addiction in my life. I need them to set me free. Come on. Hallelujah. Lord, I see those hands. I pray right now. Set them free. Set them free right now in the name of Jesus. Set free from the grave clothes in Jesus' name. Father, we confess our sin to you. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us of our sin. We ask you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus, we put our faith and our hope in you. We put our faith in you. We cannot save ourselves. We do not have the power. But we ask you, Jesus, through the faith that we have placed in you to come into our lives and to cleanse us. Lord, set us free. I pray you'd set some people free. I pray for healing from bitterness and healing, Lord, from, from, from hurt. I know there are some, Lord, that are grieving. And, and God, I just pray your, your move of healing, healing in Jesus' name. Finally, if you're here and maybe you're experiencing a delay, something you've been praying for and it just hasn't happened and you want me to pray with you because, to, because you're just struggling in the, in the midst of the waiting, in the delay, will you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you today. I'm going through some things. I'm in a delay and I, need, I just need encouragement to my faith in the waiting. Yeah, you see the hands, Lord, the waiting. God, your delay does not mean that, that you do not hear. It does not mean that you are silent. Father, when we don't see the activity, we have to understand by faith today that, God, you are working in ways we cannot see. And I pray for encouragement in the waiting. I pray for perseverance in the waiting. I pray that you would encourage faith today. Encourage faith today in your people. God, as we just wait on you, take us deeper in knowing you and in knowing, God, the power of your resurrection. We thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand today? Amen. And we're just going to have one more song we're going to go out to and worship. If you need prayer, will you come and let our team pray with you? Any of those areas today, or even if it's something else that you're going through, we want to pray with you on this Easter.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.